What's up, witches? And welcome to episode dose of Inciting a Brouhaha, or as it has become known to very cool Twitterkin, I-A-B-H-H, Ep2. <laughs> Which is too many letters. We can't be an acronym. That's just weird. Well, because it doesn't even spell anything. I mean, it's not like it's a word. I mean, it would it would be something if it was like, you know, bar or something. But it's ib Well, I don't know. I mean, if it, it would be something if it spelled a word. Like if our acronym... You're just making stuff up. I don't know. You're just making stuff up. So, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two, the so very long-awaited episode two of Inciting a Brouhaha. It has been a really exciting time to be either Velma Nightshade or Firelight. I mean, you know, I'm very sad for all of you that you're not one of us, because, because we got to see our names oh on the... Oh, my God! Is that like... <laughs> no, no, because what I tell you... Doing? No, because I tell you, we were on the front page of iTunes, Velma. I know we were. And that, I have to admit, is uber cool. That was just awesome because my show's never been on the front. I, I, I don't know about you, but my show has never been on the front page of the iTunes religion and spirituality category. Overall, over the Christian podcast and the Buddhist podcast and the flippin' one-year audio Bible podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> so in a way, Sorry. we sort of beat them. In a way. In a way, for like the 30 seconds that you looked at iTunes at that particular moment, and we happened to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it's okay. It will all come to a crashing end at some point, I'm sure. Yes, in a manner of speaking. So um, we are actually going to be talking about some uh, rather fun, interesting topics. Um, uh, we have not gotten any feedback yet from any of the listeners about topics that you would like us to cover. I guess that means you have way too much faith in us having interesting <laughs> topics. <laughs> I guess. You, they, they must trust us. I and guess I think you, that's scary on a whole bunch of different levels. Yeah, that's not good. You shouldn't trust us that much. We're really and, not that interesting. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that interesting either. I am going to apologize, however, because I am eating my dinner at this very moment, so... If I come back with a point and I have a mouthful of rice, I'm very sorry. I can't wait for you to both be chewing rice and have a point, and then you go to your microphone and uh, go ahead and start saying your point, and in that moment, forget that you are also eating rice, and watch, no, you, won't th happen. watch you through Skype explode rice all over the computer screen. I can't wait for that. It won't happen. That will sorry. Be, that will be my goal for this podcast. No, trust no, trust me, because I was in radio for 10 years, and the amount of time that you spend when you're in radio eating while you're on the air, you get really used to how it works. So, yeah, that's, sorry. I hate to disappoint you, but that's not going to happen. Well, it looks like witches, folks, listeners. We witches! Witches! <laughs> <laughs> we are both in rare form today uh. for some very odd reason. We don't really talk anymore. No! You and I used to talk all the time. And have all these really interesting discussions and get in-depth and stuff. And then we started doing this show. And every time we start to have an interesting discussion, the other one is like, shut up. We're not talking about this right now. We'll record it later. Yeah. So and so it's been like. To really talk. Yeah. It's been about two weeks since the last show. A little over two weeks. It's not been three weeks, mm -hmm. Velma. <laughs> it's been... Shut up. I can't add. I'm sorry. It's, it's been a little over two weeks since the last show. And that's really about the last time that you or I, that you and I had a 
fun, lengthy, in-depth conversation together. <laughs> I mean, really, exactly. we'll call each other every couple of days. Hey, how are you? Good. How's work? Fine. All right. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> I know. It's to- it's totally destroyed the personal conversations. So, but, but, you know. It- but that just means that you, the listeners, get to listen to us explode on one another with all of the things that we've been wanting to say. Um, and actually, one of the yeah. last conversations that you and I had, we halted in the middle of it and said, okay, let's make this a show topic. And that is what we are bringing to you today. Isn't that right, Velma? Yes. And this one came, a, this one was from a long time ago, it too. It was. It was. When we were still planning topics for Inciting a Brouhaha, before Inciting a Brouhaha was even named, I think. Before, yeah, before it officially existed, when it was still in the planning stages, we went, you know, we need to talk about this on our show. Yeah. This is part of why we need to have a show. This was one of those things that we were just sort of talking about, didn't even realize that it would be an interesting conversation, and about an hour and a half later said, <laughs> oh, we've been talking about this for a really long time. That could have been a show. And so instead of it continuing... It wasn't that long. No. It wasn't that it, long. It was... No, it all, it all came about, though, because... I was desperately trying to think of something for the practical magic segment of Witch's Brouhaha one day. And because for some reason, my mind had just completely gone blank and I could not think of anything at all. And you made a suggestion and we got into this really in-depth discussion. Which I still don't know how. (laughs) Um, I suggested that you, Velma, talk about the use of fake flowers in magical practice. Um, and I think that my argument on that, because I remember a few of the things that we discussed, um, and, but I, I think that I remember my argument on that is, Hey, sometimes when you want a rose, a rose isn't in season. Sometimes when you want a sunflower, a sunflower isn't in season. Um, you could also maybe make the argument that, okay, I'm going to use this rose and the sense is it, blah, <laughs> Yay, no editing. Um, no editing, folks. <laughs> since since this rose is a silk rose and it will never wilt or die, maybe that means that the magic that is used along with this rose will be permanent. To which you said... I totally, absolutely, 100%, unequivocally disagree. Okay. I think that there is absolutely no way... Okay, let me back up. There is no way for a positive outcome, in my opinion, using an artificial flower. Because to me, the whole thing seems terribly manipulative because you're basically putting on a front of, oh, this is such a superficially beautiful thing, but in reality, it's not really real. It's not what, like, I would never think to use a silk flower in a love spell because what is it going to create? It's going to create artificial, superficial, on the outside, beautiful but not real emotion. See, but see, I... And I think it could be... And I think it could turn into something that's incredibly manipulative. I mean, I suppose in the right circumstance, there could be a reason for it. But, I mean, ultimately, the flower itself isn't real. It's not genuine. It's completely artificial. And we'll get into a, 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 a deeper discussion on this particular point later. But my argument to that is that aren't correspondences in general supposed to be about... You know, okay, this makes me feel this, or this, uh, you know, is correlated to this particular feeling, emotion, power, whatever. 
And if you're using a rose for a love spell or using a whatever for a friendship spell or something, you know, isn't just the idea of the rose. I mean, you know, because that's that's how uh, icon magic got started in the first place. I mean, a pictographic magic in which um, shamans of days gone by used to paint images of... Uh, of, of hunters hunting a deer and catching a deer and then having their whole uh, village be able to be fed. I mean, you know, they used to paint these portraits on cave walls, and that's a fake thing. That's an artificial thing that, that is being used to bring about a desired result and isn't just maybe a fake flower, a fake rose, the same kind of thing as, you know, this emulation magic, this pictographic magic. No. <laughs> I would say, no, I would say, I mean, yes, I mean, I guess I can kind of see your point, but I don't know. To me, if I can't get my hands on a genuine rose for something, I'm going to find another living alternative as opposed to, yes, thank you for moving that because I was looking straight up your nose and it was really bothering me. <laughs> well, I was trying um, to aim the microphone at the speaker. At some point, <laughs> we will end up recording the video from this because it is quite amusing, but <clears throat> yeah, anyway, but no, I mean, I... To me, I would rather substitute another another living object of some kind. Just because, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, it's not, we're, I'm not talking about items of decor, like, you know, to put on your altar. I'm talking about actually using the item in magic. Like, this particular spell says, you know, put seven red rose petals into this little packet. So I'm not using silk rose petals. No, if I can't okay, find no rose okay, petals, but hold on. I'm not going to use... Okay, yes. but, okay, but... <laughs> Okay, but if 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 you're making the distinguishing if you're if you're distinguishing between okay, well it's okay for my altar, but it's not okay for my spellcraft. Well, what if you happen to be, say, a, a Hellenic pagan and you're doing an altar to Aphrodite that month, and you're putting fake roses all over your altar because it's pretty and you don't have to worry about them wilting and changing them out every week. I mean. You know, would the goddess Aphrodite get pissed off because you're using fake flowers? I mean, it's still a fake thing. You know, but it's see, still. You're turning, but see, you're you're transitioning from decor to ritual item, because if the whole point of having it on your altar is to keep up with it, because it is representative of a divine connection, then using a fake representation of that would not be acceptable. I'm talking about if I want to put flowers in my hair on Beltane, and the only flowers that I can find are silk, I'm not going to be all that distressed about it. But if I'm using them for a ritual purpose, I mean, if they have an actual magical intent behind them, I wouldn't use fake flowers. Absolutely not. It's completely the antithesis of what it's supposed to represent. But isn't, aren't, aren't fake flowers on Beltane, I mean, sort of the antithesis of, of representing a, a natural turning of the wheel and a, a turning of seasons and that kind of thing. I mean, you're you know, I'm not saying that it's bad. See, I really have no problem with the use of fake flowers, uh, you know, that, which well, is why but I what was... if you live... Okay, but for example, what if you live in the desert? And so you want to celebrate Beltane and you want to have flowers in your hair and there are no flowers where you live. Okay. I don't have a problem with, with using fake flowers as decoration. I have a problem with using fake flowers as a ritual tool or a magical ingredient in a spell. I just don't see how that has a point okay, at all. But what if you live in the desert and you want to do a spell with flowers and there are no flowers? I mean, it's, you know, they sort of go hand in hand. I mean, don't they? No, 
No, no, I, I would find a substitution. Because in magic, if you put something that is fundamentally artificial into your, into your spell, you are automatically undermining the value and, and the, um, uh, uh, the word has escaped me. You're, uh, you're undermining the authenticity of whatever is supposed to result in. Well, and I, and here's the thing is that um, I don't really remember how we went there in our actual last conversation, but um, it was very similar to this. <laughs> well, I know, but we, you and I got into a, uh, an interesting discussion about well, maybe, um, maybe the artificial flowers and the artificialness of them could be used in a way for magic. Maybe you could just use them to create to to um, bring about these superficial characteristics of that particular flower or herb or thing. Um, you know, maybe if uh, you want to be a, a bright and, and bubbly and, and happier and, you know, all of those things, maybe you could use fake sunflowers and put them around and, um, you know, use a fake sunflower to at least appear, have the appearance of somebody that is bright and shining. You know, or you could use if, if uh, all if all your spell is going for is a superficial impersonation of something that could be genuine. I suppose that would be an instance when you could use a fake flower. I personally don't really see the point in that, unless what you're trying to do is fundamentally manipulative. In which case, this opens up a whole world of possibilities because you could pretend that you're doing something really nice when, in fact, you're really doing something quite manipulative because you're putting a nice shiny coat of paint on it and saying, "Oh well, well, you know, this will be beautiful," and you know, yes, carry this, carry this silk rose with you, and your true love will find you. And in fact, what you're doing is drawing a very superficial relationship to that person. Incredibly manipulative. Not something I would recommend, not something I would do, but I can see the point in that. I just don't understand why you would ever do magic to put on a superficial face. I guess that's what, I mean, I I don't understand why go to all the effort and not actually want it to be genuine. See, I think sometimes, and, and this just sort of goes into, you know, magic for superficial means in general, um, I, you know, maybe there are some times, and I think the example I used whenever you and I first discussed this was a job interview. Um, maybe you do want to appear more confident, uh, more of a catch for that company, um, more uh, eloquent, well-spoken, whatever good qualities you want to uh, be in that interview. Maybe you just need him for that day. Maybe it's not something you need permanently. Maybe it's just something you pick up your fake flower, you know, whatever flower you use for, you know, courage, eloquence, uh, you know, success, that kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe you pick up your fake flower that morning, you pin it on and it's your little decoration, but it's also, you know, empowered with magic that can, that can, uh, uh, you know, help you do that and then put on the mask of at least to this particular employer of I am eloquent, I am well-spoken, just good enough for that interview. Because I think we all know that, you know, you're never really, you know, the person that they're getting in an interview is never really the person that that uh, you actually are on the job. I don't think anybody ever is completely honest and upfront and exactly who they are in an interview. And if you are and you're about to email me and say, Near Fireline, I am completely genuine every you're full of BS and you're lying because you're just not. So now you say something. Well, no, I'd say I'm pretty genuine in interviews. <laughs> oh, but it goes back to that whole everybody lies on the resume thing. 
But anyway, I'm not creative enough to lie on my resume. Well, my we can, resume isn't very interesting. We fudge corners. But no, I think I I do I just think that there are so many alternatives. Why would you have to settle for using a silk flower? Okay, but now see, here's the thing. Think about it this way, and I just thought of this. We're wanting to use something very natural. We're wanting to use something, you know, that is of the earth and has the power from the earth and blah, 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 blah. So you're using plastic. Silk is not plastic. Silk is made from the silkworm, ergo organic, ergo natural, ergo from the earth. Do you know how chemically treated the silk is in silk flowers? And the stems are plastic with wires in them. And this is not natural. No, you cannot convince me that using a silk flower is a natural item to be used in magic. Absolutely not under no circumstances. See, Nice try. See, I think you and I are just going to stand on different sides of this issue. Because, see, the thing is, I don't think that there's a problem. Now, am I going to go out and probably use a whole bunch of fake flowers in magic? Probably not. But do I use a whole bunch of flowers in general? No. I mean, now, I will say, I use dried flowers uh, on occasion. You know, I have, like, dried rose petals that I have that sat under um, the light of a blue moon. I have... Um, you know, flowers from different occasions that are very special to me that I've kept that sort of hold the energy of that special occasion. Um, the, you problem, know. the problem with plastic flowers is that they're not going to, they're not going to hold energy. They're not going to process energy. They're not going to create energy on their own, which is the whole point of using a natural item in spellcrafting because the energy that that item brings to the spell is important. It's not, I mean, if it was just a matter of, you know, pinning a silk flower on your shirt and saying, oh, look, I'm beautiful today. Well, that's not magic. Deciding that you are something can be thought of as a kind of magic. But why would you use something that doesn't bring any energy to the spell as part of the spell? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, possibly. It does not make any sense at all. I mean, if you can't use the actual object... There are plenty of substitutions. There are plenty of other things that you could do in lieu of actually having, you know, the $45 orchid that doesn't happen to be in season because it's not July 2nd, um, you know, that only grows in part of the South American rainforest, whatever. I mean, there are plenty of other things that you can do. I just don't think that bringing something that fundamentally is not natural is going to help anything. I think that the point to this discussion is, you know, how, how vital is the instrument you're using versus the power that you bring to the ritual itself. Maybe you are the one that is empowering that particular object with the energy that you're wanting it to have. I mean, you know, it does. I don't think that it necessarily matters if it is a fake rose, if that's what you have on hand, um, you know, and you are the one that is putting, putting, not putting, putting your own personal magical energy into that silk rose, you know, you are imbuing it with your own love energy. You are imbuing it with your own happiness energy. You're imbuing it with your own confidence energy, whatever, you know, as witches, at least in my handbook, uh, (laughs) that's, that's one of the things that I thought that we were able to do is empower objects with a particular energy. And that's what I'm saying in the use of fake flowers is that, you know, it might help you um, when you're imbuing it with energy. You know, it might help you to imbue something. Because, uh, you know, if we can imbue anything with energy, we could imbue, gosh, a a frickin' 
I don't know, lighter. I mean, God, this is something that we that you talk about on your show. You could imbue no. you could imbue a lighter with no. the power to you know light you up. I mean, you know, no. on, on your but on your show, you've said you know, okay, use a light bulb, and you can click a light bulb to help inspire an idea in somebody. And okay, but okay, I think I think the problem is we're referring to this from two different directions. You're saying use it as a symbol. I'm saying use it as an ingredient. Right, but I that, mean, that's where no, I was coming and from. And it's, and it's not true that we can imbue anything with energy. I'm sorry. If you take a, a chunk of plastic, you know, go to the craft store and buy a little fake gem, you know, fake diamond, and try to put energy into that, and then pick up a piece of quartz and put energy into that, tell me which one is actually going to hold on to that energy and actually be able to do something with it. It's not the chunk of plastic. Because it's not... It's just not going to hold on to that energy. It's not going to get you anywhere. I mean, yes, you might be able to put energy into it, but you know what? The only thing you've accomplished is getting rid of that energy because it's not going to stay there. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to progress or grow or, you know, do whatever. It's not going to keep working on whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Well, then why can we imbue energy into a light bulb and turn on a light bulb and have that be some sort of creative magic? I mean, I never, I never said we could imbue the light bulb with energy. I said you could use a light bulb on your altar as a representation of an idea. It's not using the light bulb as part of the spell. It's not putting the energy into the light bulb so that your, you know, this is my spell. This light bulb will, you know, continue to help me have good ideas. It's using it as basically as a drawing which is what you had referred to, using right. it as inspiration, not using it as the actual item that's doing the work for you. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can't use a silk flower to actually do the work for you because there's nothing there for it to hang on to as far as the energy is concerned. It's just going to go away. But see, I it's definitely artificial. I definitely will agree to the point, and that was the point that I, you, that I was really discussing originally, in that you can use it as a symbol of something. I mean, you can use the rose as a symbol of, you know, that which you, you feel a rose is, you know, a symbol of romance and a symbol of this, that, and the other to, uh, you know, and, and that sort of goes to me hand in hand with things like color correspondences and things like that, in which, you know, prisons paint the walls pink because it, uh, it, it lowers the, uh, the, passions of their inmates you know it, it lowers um you know anger and rage and that kind of thing uh you know people will um paint rooms blue so that they can uh calm themselves down i don't think that there's any anything necessarily wrong with having you know maybe a silk bouquet of various flowers that you feel can help you you know can help make you feel a certain way or help an environment say that you have a, a really um tumultuous work environment Maybe at your desk, you could have the little small arrangement of fake flowers uh, of things that you feel are calming. Maybe you could have some, uh, I don't know, fake lilacs or fake orchids or fake uh, sunflowers or something. Something to brighten your mood and, uh, you know, fake lavender. I see fake lavender everywhere. Have some fake lavender there to maybe promote the idea of peace or something like that. Just as the symbol of the thing that you're wanting. I'm not saying you can't use it as a symbol. I'm saying I would never use it as an ingredient. I would never use it as part of what is actually supposed to be getting the work done because it's not going to do anything. I mean, yes, people paint, you know, rooms colors all the time. I mean, my bedroom is painted blue because it's a calming, relaxing color. 
that doesn't mean that I walk in there every day and drop over completely sound asleep. But there is something to that. But as far as using that as the actual item in the spell, I just, I don't know. There's something incredibly inappropriate about that to me, I guess. I mean, I, w- I would just never consider I... using a silk flower as a spell ingredient or as a ritual component where the flower is anything other than decor. See, I will I just can't I will even agree, fathom doing that. I will agree in instances, in spell instances, in which the flower, the herb, the whatever, needs to be a rose, you know, and you're going to take the petals off and add them to this, and it's going to be this, inc- you know, it's going to be an ingredient. Oh, hi, squirrel. Um, it's going to be an ingredient... <laughs> Okay, random. There's an enormous, like, massive squirrel, like, bigger than my cat, and I have a big, fat cat. There's an enormous squirrel in my front yard with these two. Hi, it's right at my window waving at me. I'm very glad that my dog can't see this because she would freak the hell out. I mean, seriously, it's right there. It's, hi. Anyways, and there's these two birds that are sort of, I guess they're all three friends or something. They're going to go have a little freaky interspecies menage a trois or something later. And now people are going, you talk to this person voluntarily? (laughs) Yes. Yes, believe it or not, I do. Please continue with your point. No, but uh, no. So I would say that you are probably very correct in saying that as a spell ingredient, in which maybe you're going to take the petals off, or it, you know, use a whole, you know, throw it into a cauldron, something like that. It is an ingredient in the spell. Um, I would say that probably fake flowers are definitely not the thing that you want to use. However, That's what I've been saying the whole time. I know, but I, to my point, my point about fake flowers, and the reason that we even got into the discussion is because we were both seeing it from two different perspectives. My perspective on fake flowers is to use them as a symbol, a symbol of what you want. You know, a symbol of, you know, I want some confidence today, so I'm just going to wear this fake flower that inspires confidence, and I'm going to, you know, really get something out of that as a symbol of the confidence that I want to have. I'm going to maybe keep some... Um, some fake lavender at my desk because inside my cubicle I don't get sunlight and I can't grow real lavender, but maybe I will keep this fake lavender here and every time I see it, it'll just remind me to be more peaceful. It'll be sort of a reminder, a symbol of the peace that I want to have. It doesn't necessarily have to be an ingredient and it is actively giving me peace, but it can be a reminder. It can be a symbol. It can be a, a method by which we continue to give ourselves that energy. And I would, again, I would equate it with color correspondence in which people wear red when they want to appear uh, when they want to promote uh, passion within them they wear okay, yellow okay. when we'll, they want to be we'll get we'll get to colors right. we'll get to colors because that is on the list for later but I think the list I love the list <laughs> but, but see and that's and that's where we're coming at this from different perspectives right because I mean I I can see the argument for using it as a symbol, but when I think of using fake flowers what? in magic... You can see a point in my argument? What? I wouldn't do it. I think it's completely backwards and <laughs> But I can see where you're going. Okay. However, when I think using fake flowers in magic, I don't think having it on you know, the table as a decoration. Mm-hmm. I think using it in a spell, using it as part of a ritual, as an, as an ingredient, as an integral part of what it is that you're doing. And I think there is absolutely no place, unless, as I said earlier, what you want is to create chaos, superficiality, and you know, general mayhem. I don't think there's any place for artificial 
naturalness. Okay. And here's the thing. It's so funny that I think that you could maybe use fake flowers at all in ritual and magic and whatever. I mean, again, I'm just going at it from the perspective of a symbol. I would completely agree with your point because I can, I can do that. I can see the value in your argument and say, <laughs> yes, you do have a point. I would, I would agree, and this is why we have fantastic discussions. I would agree that you cannot use it as a spell ingredient. I would still make the defense, though, that you could use it as a symbol. Okay, but <laughs> no, okay, but okay, but use, and you can use anything as a symbol. You can use absolutely anything on the face of the planet as a symbol of something if you want to. That's okay. like saying, you know, no, you couldn't ever, you know, use an electric candle as a symbol of a candle. Well, of course you could, of course you could, but if you're using it as, I mean. Let's just move on, because we're beating a dead horse. <laughs> round and round we go. <laughs> Where we stop, we have absolutely no idea. Probably at about an hour and a half. <laughs> probably. Okay, so moving on. So okay, not, but, only, but it's, not it's, only do we have... It's interesting yes. that I'm sort of okay with fake flowers in some specific tiny instances. Because I am so completely and utterly against fake stones. Why? Fake rocks. Because, okay, and here's the thing, is that it really, something clicked in me, because I had never really taken note of the vast quantities of man-made, uh, fake, reconstituted stones. And reconstituted is sort of a category in and of itself, and I don't have yes, as much of a problem with that. But that. fake stones and man-made stones that are out there that have been out there for a while and have started permeating the pagan, really more of the new age side of paganism, more of the spiritual side of paganism that's really into crystal collecting. Um, uh -huh. But has really permeated, you know, you'll go to gym shows and you'll see, okay, here's your amber, here's your quartz, here's your opal. And then I remember being at this fabulous gym show. I got some really cool pieces at really a, a, a great price. And then I saw something called blood quartz. And these guys are selling blood quartz, and it's these, like, perfect obelisks. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, okay, first of all, that's not quartz. I've never seen any sort of quartz that is that looks like that, especially naturally, because it's, it's like, perfect obelisk. It's a perfect obelisk with these red swirls in there that look as though it had been ice. I mean, you know, that this had been water, and somebody had put little droplets of red food coloring and they had just sort of dissolved and, you know, made those pretty little swirls that, that droplets of dye make in clear water at the very beginning. You know, you ever mm -hmm. see? Yeah. yeah. And perfect obelisks with little red throughout there. And they were calling this blood quartz and they were giving it all of these powers and all of this, you know, it was a very powerful stone, very powerful on the astral plane, very useful for this, that, and the other, and all of the above. And come to find out blood quartz is glass that they literally have just dropped red dye into. That's what blood quartz is. And they're selling it as this super powerful magical stone, this type mm -hmm. of quartz. And because we new agey, metaphysical, pagany people love us some quartz and pretty much anything that has the word quartz in it, people are buying it up as blood quartz. And 
P.T. Barnum said it best. There's one born every minute. Oh, my God. And it makes me so mad. <laughs> but what? Okay, but what makes you mad? Does it make you mad the idea of using something that's not a natural stone in ritual or as part of magic? Or does it make you mad that people are purposely taking advantage of people who don't know any better? Both. It, both. And this whole, and, and it sort of gets me to, and, and that's why it's so difficult for me to stay just on this topic because it really makes me want to jump into the full topic of correspondences. But, but it really, you know, it goes back to this whole idea of, um, you know, did ancient people really know the difference between this kind of uh, this kind of topaz and that kind of topaz and the other kind of topaz? Did Who they cares? know the difference between this jade and that jade and the other kind of jade? Did they actually know what demuterite was, or did they just think, "Ooh, pretty deep blue stone"? Did they know the difference between demuterite and lapis lazuli and sodalite, or did they just all think, "Oh, hey, this is a blue stone, and we use blue stone for this okay, kind okay. of magic"? Hold up. Why is that important? Why is what important? Whether or not ancient people knew the difference between jade and quartz. Okay. Why, why does that matter? Okay, because, uh, you know, I'm constantly flabbergasted and confused when I open up these books of stones, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger every year. The more geologists come up, uh, the more geologists discover new stones, and then the more that new age, spiritual, pagan people get these stones and assign magical properties to them. You know, then we see, okay, well, there is now a specific stone for, you know, whenever your coffee tastes bad on a Thursday. And we're going to call that Thursday coffeeite. I mean, you know, it's just... Dude, it, I want some of that. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, but she, I mean, I, I don't know if, if, if it's coming across, but it just seems like we are so... There's this permeation of all of these hundreds of thousands of stones, and each of them is now getting you know, weirdly specific properties. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I okay. mean... Okay. Have you ever used Tiger's Eye for protection? Yes. Why? Because... Because um, Scott Cunningham told you so. Well, yes. Because, yes. Be, okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that there are stones and herbs and things like that. And this really, I mean, you know, it's it's sort of impossible to talk about this without talking about the correspondences discussion. But um, Just do it. Just talk. Okay. But, uh, thank you. <laughs> but it's sort of, it goes back to, okay, when I see that the plant rosemary is supposed to be, well, hold on. Talk for a second. I'm going to go get my little encyclopedias. No, because I'm not going to be able to say anything without going ahead and slamming your point into a million pieces. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Come back to the computer. Come I'm back. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So let me look up in the official Scott Cunningham knows everything encyclopedia of plant life. We're going to look up Whoa, rosemary. Whoa, hold on. We're talking about stones. Uh, okay. Well, then let's look up Stay stones. Stay with me. Stay with me here. I have the official Scott Cunningham Knows Everything book on stones. I can, I can do this with either of them. Okay. Let's just pick lapidolite. Okay. L lapidolite is like also lapidolite. known as the stone. Do what? I like lapidolite. Oh, goody. It's pretty and it has lithium in it. <laughs> it's fun. Oh, God. <laughs> it's called the peace stone or the stone of peace. It's receptive. Its planets are Jupiter and Neptune. The element of it is water, but here's here's what I love. There's all these powers that are associated with lapidolite. There's okay. peace. There's spirituality, yeah. which is apparently a power. I cast spirituality on you now. 
Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I shall make you spiritual, damn it. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get that. It's the, one of the powers of spirituality. It'll make you really spiritual. Um, okay. There's luck. So there's peace and there's luck. There's yep. protection. There's mm-hmm. anti nightmare. There's psychism and there's yep. love. Yeah. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> okay. The reason that it is it has been assigned so many different things is because they are basing what it is used for off of a lot of different things. They're basing it off of the energy that most people get from the stone when they hold the stone because different stones put out different forms of energy. They're using it based on what color it is. They're basing it off of what it looks like. They're basing it off of what it has historically been used for by other civilizations. They're basing it off of a lot of different things. Purple, which lapidolite is purple with little silver flecks in it. Purple has been associated with wisdom, royalty, spirituality, um, peace to a certain degree for a long period of time. That's why you get things like amethyst and lapidolite and, um, you know, various, various purple stones, purple lavender jade, things like that, that are associated with spirituality because the color has been used in that context for a long period of time. Then this particular stone, lapidolite, has uh, small amounts of lithium in it. Lithium is a very sedative mineral, and it's the same kind of thing that's used when, you know, they put crazy people on lithium. I mean, it's the same mineral composition, at least to the best of my knowledge, it is. So that's where it gets its, you know, connotations of anti-nightmare, peace, calming, relaxation, because it has this chemical in it that in large quantities has those factors. So it's not it's not that the, the, the things that you would use the stone for are mutually exclusive. They're coming from a whole bunch of different um, they're coming from a whole bunch of different sources and you can use the stone to access various different areas. Okay, this I understand. I do I, I am at least somewhat aware of how correspondences are assigned to various things. Um, my thing about it, because to go back to your question of have I ever used Tiger's Eye and have I ever used it for protection and why? And yeah. as a baby pagan, hi, pagan hooligans, um, <laughs> as a baby pagan, a thousand years ago, I was immortal, apparently, because I, I was alive a thousand years <laughs> apparently, ago. Apparently, that was apparently. a long time ago. As a baby pagan a million years ago, we're just going to get older. Um, <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself, please. A billion years ago, when I was first formed. <laughs> okay, make your point. Sorry. Um, and I was, you know, when you, when you first discover, you know, pagan books and New Age books and things like that, one of the first things that a lot of people pick up are these here encyclopedias. Because it's like, yeah. oh, hey, that's really cool. It's got lots of crap in here I've heard of and lots of crap I haven't. And that makes me seem super witchy. And, um, you know, I, I had always been a kid that collected stones, uh, you know, all throughout my childhood. And, um, you know, I had tiger's eye. And then I saw, oh, tiger's eye can be used for money, protection, courage, energy, luck, and divination. And as somebody who got picked on a lot as a kid, I was like, oh, protection, that's great. And after playing around with tiger's eye and after playing around with it, um, 
uh, you know, and trying to use it for this, that, and the other, I found, okay, Tiger's Eye, for me, doesn't work too well as the money stone. It doesn't really make sense in my magical practice. I don't use it that way. If you out there use Tiger's Eye for money, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you're wrong. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> You have, you have a great deal of subtlety to your character, don't you? Please continue. Thank you so much. No, but I'm just saying that in my experience, uh, it it works quite well for protection, um, you know, it, but it sort of goes back to, for me at least, the stones that I use, A, I don't use a whole bunch of different ones. I might collect a whole bunch of different ones, um, you know, and I have a large collection of stones, not nearly as large as yours, but I, you know, I'm gaining a large collection of various stones. I might use five of them on a regular basis and, um, I really use them and this is just how I do stone magic. I sort of do them by the element that they really correspond with. I mean, a, a rock that's very watery, a, a stone that's very fire oriented or air oriented or whatever, you know, I'll use it for the qualities of that particular element. And fire is a very protective element. It's a very, you know, illuminating element, uh, you know, it inspires courage and passion and all of those kinds of things. And tiger's eye to me is a very fiery stone and I'll use it for something that I would maybe use the element of fire for. Okay. But getting back to your earlier point, why do you get so incensed when people discover new stones and then all of a sudden they've got, you know, these things assigned to them. I guess I don't understand why that's an issue. Be, because I think that it's grasping at straws a bit much. I mean, I, I think... Why is that grasping at straws any more than saying tiger's eyes for protection? Well... I mean, where did, where did that come from? Where did the idea that tiger's eyes for protection come from? Um, no, don't look up Scott. <laughs> don't look at what Scott Cunningham wrote. Tell me, what is your opinion? No, um, you know, I, I, again, uh, it goes back to um, these, I, I don't know. For me, I'm somebody that tends to uh, view tools, um, and I would consider stones a, a magical tool, a, a tool in magic that one uses. Um, I tend to go on, okay, well, what has been widely used what's been used the most okay. why is it bit, why is it stop. Been, okay stop are you or are you not the same person who did an entire episode of inciting a riot talking about how the age of a text doesn't make it more valid just because it's older and right. therefore would a new stone that somebody decides hey this is what this is used for why is that any less valid than Tiger's Eye that you can go, okay, well, this has been used in the past for this. What, what, why is that a problem? Well, the, again, remember, my bigger problem isn't necessarily with new stones being assigned all of these new qualities. It, it's confusing. I said that part was confusing because it's like, oh, I thought that that stone was the one that we used for this. So this one's now the one. Okay. Um, it, it gets confusing to me because... I don't know. I'm not somebody that wants to have 17 different stones for peace and 23 then different don't. stones for protection. I, I don't. <laughs> well, then but what's the problem? I'm somebody that what, likes things very what simple. Is, what is my the point of this discussion? Uh, fake stones. We weren't talking about new real stones. We were talking about fake stones. Things like... Well, that's what... Okay, but that's what led us into this entire discussion because you're talking about people finding all these new stones all over the place and assigning random, you know, seemingly 
strange and unusual qualities to them. I mean, what was the point? I don't remember. <laughs> Great. Well, this has been 20 minutes of completely pointless conversation. I don't think it's pointless. No, but the fake stones, that was my bigger point. Is that I don't, I mean, you know, and we were going back to the bigger topics of, of uh, you know, people just making crap up and then selling it to people that don't know any better. And I was interested. That's pretty much what society does, period. But I was, I was very interested because I, I originally hadn't been pissed off until you said something. I didn't know I was pissed off about that. But then you said something and then I thought, hey, maybe I am. Um, but you said making things up and imposing it on people that don't know any better. And I'd like you to maybe expand on that if you can. Making up stones. I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. If you create something out of glass and tell people that it's some mystical stone with magical properties because you know that they'll spend twenty nine ninety five on it and you'll get rich, then you deserve to rot in hell. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's to explain? I mean, that's just, that's just taking advantage of somebody. I don't think somebody who actually comes across a supply of some new stone that's just been discovered somewhere, I don't have a problem with that. I don't even have the, a problem with them saying, you know, this would be great to use for X. You know, this would be a great stone if you, you know, don't want to get pregnant. Here, keep this in your pocket and you won't get pregnant. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to run right out and do it, but <laughs> I don't have a problem. Because, because I, okay, basically, I don't care what other people tell me about stones or herbs or whatever, because I figure it out for myself. Because just because, the reason that I use Tiger's Eye for protection is because I've used Tiger's Eye on several occasions for that purpose and I have always had success with it. Right, and that's exactly why I use Tiger's Eye, because, you know, way back as a baby pagan, I was told, okay, well, Tiger's Eye can be used for this, that, and the other, and I tried it for this, that, and the other, and it worked really well for protection. It worked really well for, you know, a few qualities that I use Tiger's Eye for, and that's why right. I keep around some key stones. However, there are also stones that I've purchased, um, more for my partner's sake, because he likes, you know, all the really cool existential stones with big, fun names. Um, but, uh, you know, I've purchased stones that were, you know, newer, newer discovered stones or stones that are just starting to be used for uh, metaphysical, uh, pro uh, metaphysical needs, metaphysical uses, you know, that had maybe a specialized use that I was like, oh, hey, you know what? I really like a stone for X and conveniently there's a stone that's specifically for X. Um, you know, I might have tried it. It might not really have worked for me, you know, it, and it might just be somebody somewhere that was publishing a book and heard of some new stone and said, okay, well, let's just say that that's that now. Um, you know. It, it, okay, but <laughs> but who's to say that using Tiger's Eye for a whole bunch of things and having it work for protection wasn't just all in your head anyway, and Tiger's Eye is just a rock? Well, that goes sort of back to the idea of magic. Is it really all psychological or is it actually magic? And my answer to that question would be, why does it matter? What difference does it make? Um, well, that's a whole other show, Velma. <laughs> but, I mean, we're getting... Put that on the list. To the point of, you know, the, these newer stones. Well, okay, let's face facts. If you're going to market stones to the metaphysical community, you have to come up with something that they do. Right. Now, if I go into a store and I buy a stone that I've never heard of before that says, this is great for X, Y, and Z, and I take it home and I try it for X, Y, and Z, and it doesn't work for any of those things, does that mean that that stone doesn't work for anybody? 
for any of those things? No. Does that mean that it won't work for me for W and Q instead of just X, Y, and Z? No, it might. Good you have use to of figure alphabet. out what you're going to do with the stone and what the stone is going to, I mean, what you're going to get out of it and what you can successfully use it for. Because if magic was this particular rock in my hand right now, this one will work for anyone on the planet for X, Y, and Z, I would be a flippin' millionaire. Because it doesn't work that way. I'd be really interested to hear feedback from listeners on fake stones. I mean, fake man-made stuff that was glass or treated. And I also sort of wonder about the quartzes and the amethysts and the things like that that are treated, you know, heat treated or chemically treated or whatever, to turn it into a different color stone and to turn it into this, that, or the other that are then given magical properties. I'm like, well that are separate from the original stone. Like amethyst, I remember you talking on your show, uh, it, it can be turned yellow. Is that right? Yes, you can turn amethyst into citrine. Citrine. Okay, but, but, okay, but the reason why it changes color when it's heat treated, and the, okay, okay. Okay. Quartz grows. Quartz, <laughs> deep breath. Oh. Okay, quartz <sighs> grows under certain circumstances, and it becomes amethyst, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Quartz grows in different circumstances. It becomes citrine. What is the difference between the circumstances? Probably a whole lot of geological stuff that I'm unaware of. But one of the main things that is different is that citrine is exposed to higher heat during the production of the stone. Okay. So why is it that when the earth creates a higher temperature, therefore turning the stone yellow instead of purple, it's okay and when somebody, you know, who happens to have two legs and, you know, a baseball hat takes a purple rock and heats it and turns it yellow, all of a sudden it's evil. I don't understand why having it be altered in that way. Now, I'm not talking about chemically changing it. I'm talking about heat-treated stones, stones that are just treated with heat or irradiation or whatever the case may be, something that would be a natural process to change its color or appearance, why is that automatically a bad thing? I think it just sort of goes back to we use ingredients, natural, real ingredients from the earth as they are. Um, you know, the mother, you know, earth, the mother, the goddess, whatever, created these stones, um, you know, and in doing so, somehow, beyond my knowledge or understanding of how, um, imbued them with these properties, imbued them with the ability to, you know, for us to be able to access certain properties, abilities, whatever. And I think that it, it may be uh, sort of like the fake flowers. It takes something away if you have to make it be that. I mean, if you have to take amethyst and make it be citrine instead of getting the citrine that was created naturally. I think it takes something away from it. I think it's not using citrine, it's using amethyst. And I, I understand that naturally, you know, under the, you know, under the palm of the mother, it can be changed and, and she can do it herself. But I think it, I think it's something, I think it takes away a, a, a mystical, you're laughing at me. You, because, because you just thought that no, was the fluffiest no, thing I'm, that had ever well, come I'm out of my mouth. I'm laughing at you because you actually used the expression under the palm of the mother. And I realized as soon as I said that you were going to laugh at me for that. <laughs> 
Please continue. <clears throat> you know what? I have some patchouli oil here with your name on it, miss. Keep that stuff away from me. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that, you know, the earth creates it. I think that there's something, you know, it, it's natural. It, it has its own inherent properties. I think that if we force it to be something else, I think that's like your argument against using fake flowers as a spell ingredient. I think it's the same thing. Then you agree with me. Yes. <laughs> I do. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> no, I do. I, I, I come agree. around to agree with me on that one, one way or another. No, I told no, you. I, I told you. I, I saw validity in your argument. Because I, I can compromise. Okay. <laughs> back, to, back to the flowers briefly to make my point. Okay. Okay. When you go to... So let's just say, for example... You want to do a spell using a daisy. Okay. And you don't have anywhere that you could get a daisy. Just, you know, go pick it somewhere. So you decide to go to a flower shop. Okay. And you go to a flower shop and they have 50 daisies. Which one are you going to pick? Are you going to pick the straggly one that looks like it's about to fall into pieces? Or are you going to pick the one with asymmetrical petals that kind of looks like it's about to fall over? Or are you going to pick the one that looks nice, that looks just perfect, that has, you know, nice symmetrical leaves, that has, you know, it's standing up straight, it has a pretty little yellow center. Which one are you going to pick for your spell? I'm going to pick the one that looks the best. Exactly. So if I want to use a piece of citrine in a spell... Why is it fundamentally a bad thing for me to pick the one that has the deepest color just because the one with the deepest color has been heat treated to have a deeper color? Why is that a bad thing? Let's say the pretty perfect daisy they used pesticides on. The one that looks like it's about to fall apart was an organic daisy. Okay? I mean... We're not we're not going to get into the discussion between organic and inorganic because that's not where I was trying to go with this. But you get my point. Yes, I do. I mean, you go to the gym. You sometimes. take you sometimes. Please give me a break. Sometimes. Am buff. Okay, I'm ripped. But people, but people go to the gym. People dye their hair. People worry about you know what they look like. Women put on makeup. You know, um, I mean, people do all sorts of things to be attractive. So why is it all of a sudden a bad thing when we want our ingredients to be attractive? Why, I mean, why, I don't get why it's a bad thing. Well, maybe. And why, and why it somehow, I mean, does it somehow diminish who you are as a person that you go to the gym and work out? Maybe no. the best daisy is the fake one. Maybe. Okay, the you're changing the topic. You're changing the hey, topic. Hey, you went back to the fake flowers. No, okay, but no, okay, no, I get what, you, I get what you're saying, I get what you're saying, but I think that there is something, as far as spell ingredients, because a spell ingredient, you are taking the energy, the inherent energy, the agreed energy that we all say that this particular thing has, and you are mm -hmm. taking that energy that, that only comes from that object, and we are seeking out that object, that flower, that stone, that whatever, for the energy mm -hmm. that it possesses so that we can use it in magic. And we are going to take the petals off. We're going to use this to throw the stone in the cauldron. We're going to do whatever with that stone, that flower, that herb, that ingredient, because it has this particular property. 
And we went out and we sought it and we got it and we did it. And to your point, if it was a fake flower, it didn't have the energy. It didn't grow. It, when it grew out of the ground, it didn't grow out with the energy that, mm-hmm. you know, that particular object would have. When we got the amethyst out of the earth, it wasn't citrine. It was amethyst. And when we went to go get amethyst, it would naturally have the most power for amethyst. It would naturally have the most, uh, the, the, the best um, magical use for the uses of amethyst. I'm just saying, I th- because it came from the earth that way, that's the way it came. <laughs> Why is that fundamentally better? I mean, okay, the rock came out of the earth. Yes. No yes, matter what did. you do to it, to change its color, to make it pretty, to facet it, to shape it, to carve it into whatever shape, or to put it on a piece of jewelry or whatever it is, the stone came out of the earth. It did. What difference does it make what happens to it after that from a magical perspective? <laughs> Because, I don't know, I think it, again, just my perspective, I think it takes something away if once you get it out of the earth, I mean, I think it's like adding pesticides to flowers. I mean, you're changing it. You're changing how it came from the earth. I mean, you're changing how it was given to us. You know, if it was given to us to have these specific properties, I think that it alters something. I think it takes something away from it. And that's just my point. That's my argument. And I'm sticking to it, damn it. We're going to start talking in circles if we keep going on about it. Damn it. We are. I guess my point is... Damn it, damn it, damn it. I just wanted to say that a few times, because I never cuss on my show. So, damn it. An F. Oh, wait, I didn't cuss. F. <laughs> F. F. <laughs> oh, I was listening to Pagan Hooligans just to give them a quick shout-out and a big what-up, um, even though you're kicking my butt in the ratings, but that's okay. I don't hate you. I just hate you. Um, but they were... <laughs> They were talking recently, and then all of a sudden, like, Isaac just sort of meekly said the F word, and he's like, yes. oh, wait, we have, an, we have an explicit rating, and then he just, it was the most uncomfortable, like, 10 seconds of any podcast, because he was, like, forcing himself to say the word fuck, like, 15 times in 10 seconds. It was hilarious to me. I'm sorry. It was just funny. Big shout out and big ups to Pagan Hooligans. Love you, but that was hilarious. <laughs> that was the funniest stuff. And I just died laughing. And then when it was over, I rewound it and laughed again. And I laughed all the way to work. That was so fun. I enjoyed it. Sorry, that was completely off topic. But I, I think that you and I are realizing that you have a, you have a perspective. I have a perspective. I, you know, I don't know. Okay. I can, I can concede your perspective on the fake flowers, but I'm going to hold on, on to mine for stones. Okay. What about reconstituted stones? Reconstituted stones. I don't have an issue with. As long oh, as it, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 As long as it's just that particular stone, like I, I see um, crystal spheres that are made out of of quartz uh, dust, or you know the extra parts of quartz that weren't used in that perf- to make that perfect obelisk or whatever. Um, wow, my voice just cracked there. <laughs> but you know there you know or or smaller chunks of of quartz that were ground down and melted and turned into this i don't have as much of a problem i'm just not going to use them in my own practice but um it's still quartz um but again you know um reconstituted stones it's still that stone it's still they they didn't take an amethyst uh, a bunch of amethyst and break it down and melt it and create a citrine sphere. That I would have more of an issue with for all of the okay. above reasons. But that's not how you make... <laughs> that's not what you do to citrine, to make it citrine. 
You expose it to high levels of heat for a specific amount of time. Right, that's what I said. I mean, if you break down the amethyst and then you heat, you know, you heat treat it and you do all the you things. You don't have, there's no breaking down to it. I, if you have a chunk of amethyst, stick it in your oven. Right. Stick it in your oven, leave it in your oven. We were it talking about turn, reconstituted. It will turn yellow. Reconstituted stones in which, like, you know, and the big example of that is but the crystal sphere. But you're saying that you have to reconstitute amethyst to make it citrine, which is not true. No, I, that's not what I was saying. I was saying that if you break down amethyst and reconstitute it while heat treating it to make a big citrine sphere, uh, to, to reconstitute it to make a sphere of something and make it citrine in the process, if you change what it is in the process, that's the problem that I have. Um, you okay. Know. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So basically, your problem is not having yellow amethyst. It's having yellow amethyst that somebody calls citrine. They're the same rock. The only thing that is different is what you see. Okay? The only reason that amethyst and citrine have different properties is because of the color that they are. Okay. That's it. The rock is the same. Okay. We, we've beat that horse until it is dead. It is rotting. I just, I just don't I understand. understand. That, okay. I, under, I understand that you cannot possibly fathom why I, I have an issue with stones that come from the ground and that are then changed by man, whether or not they are reflective of the processes that might have originally changed them. That, that okay, is, it, okay, just as another example, is every stone that you have as it came out of the earth, or do you have tumbled stones? Do you have points? Do you have spears? Do you have anything else? I have tumbled stones. Okay, that is a man-made process. That is very true. But it so didn't, if, it didn't. If you're so against me, okay, but it did change it. It changed it from the way it came out of the earth. It did not come out of the earth smooth and shiny. It came out of the earth looking like a little turd on a platter. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, it, it's still uh, tiger's eye. It's still quartz. It's still whatever. I mean, it didn't, you know, it might have shaped it, but it's still but whatever it was. You altered it to make it pretty. Okay. But. So why is that fundamentally worse but or better it or anything? I I'm, I'm just, I'm baffled by that. I don't, I do not understand where you're coming from. I understand from. that. Especially and this when is the, you're going to fight so hard about fake flowers. But this is, It doesn't make any sense. I, I understand. I understand. And I'm, I'm full of hypocrisy. I totally get that. And I, yes. I readily admit whenever the point that I'm giving, I, I also hold, I, I, I equally hold a point that, that goes against that. And you and I have had discussions before about how, you know, I am a very fact-based person. On the other hand, I'm a very faith-based and and very spiritual, mystical person that believes in mystical experiences and magic and and ritual and the gods and all of that. And the two don't marry up at some point. At some point, you have to go beyond fact to get faith, and you have to go beyond faith to get fact. And and I am a walking contradiction, and I'm very sorry to anybody that I confuse or piss off because of that. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, you don't confuse me, and you don't piss me off. You just entertain the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, you had some other things. Well, correspondences of- in general, just notes yes. about correspondences. And this actually came from a show that you did and touched on correspondences at some point. I don't really remember your whole uh, spiel, but um, I think everybody does a correspondences episode at t- some point. Uh, but uh, the thing is I that I think I did actually, I think you're making this up because I don't think I ever did a show. On- I talked about where correspondences come from. Right. And that's, but please that's continue. Okay. 
So anyway, so my views on correspondences is that, uh, again, I like things very simple. I don't know if it's because I'm stupid or if it's because I just, I, I think that whenever you add so much regalia and so much extra stuff to tools and to, to your practice and stuff, I, at, at some point it becomes pretentious, but that's just my view. And that can be another day. That can be another day before you jump on it. That can be another day. Um, but, I wasn't going to jump on that. But just, but at some point, I think it becomes pretentious to to have so much involved with your correspondences, which is why you know I get, I, I just I lo- it makes me giggle every time I look up you know some herb and it's both for you know sex magic and for abstinence or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see which herb that is because I don't think that exists. I, but... I've seen some stuff. Okay. No, I've seen some stuff that's for chastity and fidelity, and at the same time. For passion and lust. I've, I've seen that. I don't remember where it was, but I'll find it. So, but anyways, my notes about correspondences. Um, how to come up with your own correspondences, which I think are probably the best way to go about it, which is something you and I were sort of touching on earlier about, okay, you and I have both used Tiger's Eye for XYZ, MPQR, and several other letters in the alphabet that you mentioned. <laughs> There's 26. Um <laughs> But, and, wow. and we found and we found that it worked. You're either too caffeinated or you are not caffeinated enough. And I've I don't not know had which enough caffeine. I have not had enough caffeine yet. I have not done the do yet today. Not done the do. Um, anyways, <sighs> oh, no editing, no folks. No wonder. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but um, uh, so you know, you and I have experimented with stones and experimented with herbs, and we found that. You know, we typically go to this stone for this property, and we go to that herb for that property. Would you agree? Yeah. Hesitantly, yes. Okay. So what I'm saying is that that's because we've experimented with certain stones, we've experimented with certain herbs, we've come up with our own um, our own correspondences, which work best for us. That doesn't mean it has to yeah. work best for everybody. And that yeah. led me into a greater discussion on coming up with your own correspondences instead of just going off what the book says. And perhaps okay. a method by how to do that. Um, and the first one I did was colors because, you know, pretty much every color out there has now found its way into some new age encyclopedia book, whatever. And, you know, uh, each color, you know, chartreuse is now a magical color and turquoise is different than chartreuse and it's now a magical color and all of these other colors. Um, I tend to be very basic and very simple. And how Firelight does things when Firelight comes up with correspondences is... I go through basically the natural colors, you know, the the basic colors and the natural rainbow, um, maybe also adding in black and white. And I say, you know, okay, I go through and what does this particular color make me feel? Um, You know, when I see blue, you know, and then write down a word for that. Uh, It doesn't have to be, okay, blue is water or blue is peace or blue is whatever. You know, if you see blue and you think of a flowing river, Write down the word flow. Just one one word, maybe two words if they're the same thing. Write down flow. And what does flow mean? Well, flow might mean that things are changing, that things are moving, that, um, you know, uh, it, it takes away stagnation. It, um, you know, it might break down barriers, that kind of thing. Write down one word that whenever you think of that color um, uh, gives you the correspondence to that particular idea. And then you can use that color for those set of ideas. And it's, that's how it becomes very personal. The word flow might mean nothing to you, but it means something to me. And I understand that when I say the word flow, 
You know, that's the kind of magic that I am using. You you have a funny look on your face. I don't get that at all. That makes absolutely no sense to me. The reason that, okay, the reason that makes no sense to me is, okay, yeah, blue, very passive, calm color, whatever. Easy, it's an easy example. What about red? Okay, red can symbolize romantic love. It can symbolize, uh, you know, passion. It can symbolize complete and total destruction. It can represent fire, which can represent not only creation, but also destruction. It can represent anger. These are opposites, okay? Okay. How do you, how do you come to a consensus and thank of you, one word? Thank you for reciting the encyclopedic, the, the metaphysical encyclopedic definition of the correspondence of red. <laughs> No, okay. Hey, I'm doing this a long time, okay? okay? When you say, don't just do what the book said, I can tell you what the book I, said. I know okay? you can. You own every book that's ever been made about magical. Pretty much. Okay, but see, but... This, is why I, but this is why I don't understand what you're saying at all. Okay, Because but... there are some colors that, yes, typically only have, you know, a general consensus of correspondences to them as far as what they represent. But there are other colors that represent very clear-cut opposites. Can, okay. Can I tell you why? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because it's a way to make it very personal and for you to understand the various dichotomies of particular colors. I mean, you know, when you get romantic love and passion and, and lust and inciting things and fire and destruction and all of that, you know, that's because you're going off of what is fire. I mean, fire is... A, you know, fire, you know, people say that you have fire in a relationship. So pass, uh, so it, so it, you know, might, um, fire in a relationship might mean that there's a lot of heat. There's a lot of sexual tension. There's a lot of this, but fi physical fire is also this. And, you know, it can be that and that kind of thing. And that's actually where I'm going with it is that, um, you know, to make it very personal, to make your own personal correspondences, choose a word, one word that you think of, not that would make sense to Velma Nightshade or Firelight or the Pagan Hooligans or Scott Cunningham, you know, whatever. Just come up with a word that works for you. In which... But see, that's the problem is it, some of these colors, there is not a single word that you would be able to do that with. Well, maybe... What, I, what I'm getting at is that maybe all of these colors, maybe I don't get how... You know, just like where um, I don't understand how personally Tiger's Eye works for money magic, because that just doesn't work for me, and that doesn't compute in my head, and that doesn't compute in my magical practice. Maybe in Firelight's own head, um, you know, I don't get how water is this peaceful thing when water can also be a tsunami and kill thousands of people. I mean, you know... It... Well, okay, when you're talking about elemental correspondences, though, it's a little bit different because the elements can be both destructive and constructive depending on the circumstances. And I think that's part of why elemental correspondences get so confusing. But as far as color correspondences, I don't know. I guess I don't really see what the problem is with having and, colors and here's the funny correspond thing. I think, to specific things. I think that that might be because I have... And it's it's not, I don't think it's negative about you, and I don't think it's negative about me. It's just two very different perspectives, and it's why we're doing this show, to, pre pre to present two different perspectives. I don't read a lot of the 
books that you find in the New Age section of the bookstore. I don't read a lot of the stuff that Llewellyn puts out. I don't read a lot of the various encyclopedias and various how-to books and all of the magical books that involve a lot of correspondences. And you are very, very well-read in all of those kinds of books. I tend to not do that, which is why I'm sort of confused a lot of the time. And maybe it's bad on me. Maybe I'm a bad witch because I don't understand it. But when I go to do magic, when I go to do a cor- something that involves a correspondence or something that involves a stone, I want it simple. And maybe to me, I don't get how tiger's eye is for money because to me it's really good for protection. And so for me, I only go to, go to it for that. So maybe when I think of blue or when I think of yellow or when I think of something, I think of a particular word, a particular idea. I write down that particular idea and then that idea to me, I mean, maybe... Maybe my correspondence for red is salsa. And maybe salsa, that one word, can mean several different things. Salsa is a kind of dance. Salsa is a kind of food. You know, there's... there's, uh, there's you can things. break out of prison with salsa. <laughs> I Sorry, saw, I, watch, I, I watch way too much Mythbusters. I, I was about to say, I saw that on Mythbusters. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, salsa is hot. I mean, there you get the passionate correspondences. But maybe... In my head, my favorite food is Mexican food, and I went on a really good date one time to a Mexican restaurant, and we commented on the salsa. Maybe that's where I get my love, my, uh, my love aspect of the color red. That's where I get my correspondence. What I'm saying is find a way for these correspondences to make sense to you, and also edit out what doesn't make sense. Edit out the, the uh, you know, in color correspondences, come up with something, and it, usually it's the first thing, or at least for me. What is the first thing that comes to mind, you know, when you see the color yellow in your head? Is it just a blank slate, a blank, you know, sheet of yellow? Or when you think of yellow, do you think of maybe, you know, wheat in the fields with a nice breeze coming through and sunshine and all of it sort of very yellow, very shades of yellow? And then you see that and you think, you know, summer. I think yellow, I think summer. Does that mean freedom? Does that mean, you know, an easy exchange of ideas? Does that mean you know, sunshine and brightness and happiness and blah, 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 blah. You know, is that what I think of when I think of yellow? And therefore, that's that's how I come up with my own correspondences for yellow. That's what I'm saying. How to make okay. your own correspondences. Okay. Well, my initial problem was that what you the way you were stating it, come up with a word that is representative of this color. The problem that I have with that is that it is very limiting because there's only so many colors and there's a lot more potential outcomes or emotions or feelings that you might want to, you know, use in spellcrafting or ritual or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you just said basically seems like a way to sort of get around your self-imposed rule because... Okay, so red well, see, that's salsa, what I was trying salsa, to get to, and then you didn't salsa understand. means all sorts of shit, okay? So red equals just one thing, salsa. But then salsa means a whole bunch of other stuff. So I don't understand why red doesn't just mean a whole bunch of stuff. Because, so, I mean, uh, what I was getting at, and this is... <laughs> This is what's fun whenever you you have two people in a discussion instead of just ranting at a microphone on your own show. <laughs> My whole point was that these correspondences can get very difficult to understand. Um, and sometimes, in my head, they don't go all, all go together. So I do the ones that work for me for that particular color. And, you know, I come up with... Salsa isn't my word for red, but maybe maybe for you it is. Salsa is your word. And when you think of salsa, you think of, 
you know, these throw out a number seven characteristics. You think of seven characteristics, but in the book, by the books, by the various books that have correspondences, there are 12 different definitions, you know, there are 12 different correspondences for the color red. But you can only come up with seven, so it's okay. I mean, you can you can correspond it to seven things, and it's easy for you to remember. It's easy for you to remember to come up with those correspondences with the word that you came up with and with the idea, because it'll spark a very personal idea in you, and it'll help you tie those things together. And it helps you also weed out the things that don't make sense. Or at least that's how I do it. In my brain, that makes sense. I'm blonde, So basically, though. basically you're coming up with... A word to help you remember what the book said. No, not necessarily That's what the what book you said. Just said. Not necessarily That's what, what the book just said. Not, necess- you- not necessarily what the book said. No. Just to make That's what you just said. Okay, so you. That's not what I said. Think, I can rewind okay, it. That's not what I said. represents all these things to me, and so I'm going to assign the word um, "snarfaloff" to red because that will help me remember these seven things off of the list of twelve. That the book says that makes no sense. No, 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 no. You're 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 skipping parts of what I was saying. You're you're skipping things. Um, okay, when you're learning the tarot, let's let's let let me let me give you two. No, 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 no. Let me give you two a different example. One way that people learn the tarot, um, so, a, a way that people recommend that they learn the tarot is um, first you flip over a card and you see the two of pentacles and you see a man juggling and you say, okay, what does this card mean to me? You know, I've listened to Pagan Hooligans too. Yes, I know. I understand. Thank you. I'm now a 12 year old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pat me on the head. I'm so young and dumb. But um, I, you know, you you flip over a card. What does it mean to you? Uh, And just FYI, I did this before I listened to Pagan Hooligans, but thanks. I know. Um, I'm just on you. But okay, you flip over a card. What does it mean to you? What are the ideas that you first come up with when you see that? And then go see what the book says. And that way, you know, you come up with maybe the knowledge that other people have, and you can keep that in mind, too, but you're going to give a better reading, or at least it's been my experience, you're going to get a better reading with that which makes sense to you. Those, those correspondences with that card, with that color, with that thing, that makes sense to you. If you have a personal connection with definition, with the definition that you have assigned to it, then it will make sense when you are using it magically. Your intent will be behind there because you understand it. If there's 15 definitions, if there's 15 correspondences for a color and you don't get them, don't use them. Don't, under, don't, don't try and wrap your brain around something that you just don't understand. How does red mean peace? And I'm not saying red means peace. I'm just saying, you know, somebody somewhere might say red means peace. And it doesn't make sense to you because when you see red, you see X. Or maybe for you, red does mean peace. Maybe you grew up in India and red is a very beautiful, peaceful, wonderful, happy time color that brides wear on their wedding day. And maybe to you, red means that. So I'm saying, come up with an idea in your head. You know, look at the color, come up with an idea, write that idea down, and that way you can say, okay, you know, the wind means these things to me, or yellow means these things to me, or, you know, whatever. That was just how I would suggest coming up with color correspondences. There's other correspondences, though. You're smiling like, oh, this guy's such an idiot. Why am I talking to him? Why do I have a show with him? (laughs) You never told me you were psychic. (laughs) No, I, and I would never tell anybody to use correspondence straight out of a book. 
if you listen to the part of which is brouhaha when I talked about correspondences, I actually suggested, and I got this from a book, um, Energy Essentials for Witches and Spellcasters by Maya Ohm. She has an exercise in there where she lists, I don't know, probably 45, maybe 50 different feelings. And she has you go through and think about the feeling and what color would represent that feeling to you. So it's the opposite direction, but it's the same idea. The problem is when you have colors that can represent such polar opposites, trying to come up with one thing that can that you would use that color for seems very counterproductive because, I mean, you can use yellow for, you know, sunshiny, happy, summery time. You can also use yellow to represent being piss poor, okay? I mean, there's all sorts of different things you can do with it. I think it's more important to look at the context that you're actually using it in than it is to try to come up with a set of fixed correspondences at all. Okay, and I can see your point on that. I, I can see your point. I, I can at least acknowledge that in the realm of possibility that you, have an appoint, that you have a point at some point that I could maybe agree with parts of because I can yes, compromise. because you're so much better than I am and you're so magnanimous and generous. And yes, thank you. Oh, great holy firelight for deigning to agree with me. <laughs> the pod crush is so over. <laughs> No, yeah. no, but okay, no. In all seriousness, I get what you're saying. I do. I, I, maybe I'm saying this wrong. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't come across that way. But what I'm saying is that to make personal correspondences, personal correspondences, and it doesn't necessarily have to mean polar opposites to you. Maybe the thing that that particular color is a polar opposite in your head makes sense on another color. I mean, But at the same time, I do think that everybody needs to put some thought and some research into what various colors, flowers, herbs, stones, whatever, mean to them. I totally I think that is necessary. However, there will be a time when you need to do a spell or you want to do a ritual for a specific thing that you have never worked for before, and you don't know what you think corresponds with that. That's when you go to the book and say, what kinds of stones, herbs, flowers, whatever, have been associated with that people use for this? That's why you need, the, that's why you need a reference. Because you are not going to be able to sit there, even if you sit there for a month straight, thinking of every possible reason to do a spell. And what flower says, you know, ending poverty to me? You know, even if you sit there and write down every single thing that you think, eventually there's going to be something that you haven't thought of. And that's when that's when having a reference would be useful because personal correspondences only go so far. Then, after you've tried what the book said, then you know whether or not that was successful for you. Then you've made a personal connection with that particular correspondence. I mean, you can't just start out in magic a completely blank slate, deciding everything for yourself. It makes it a lot harder. That's true. And I, I, I'm not necessarily aiming this particular suggestion at somebody in the 101 stage. I'm just saying that for those of us that have progressed beyond that, um, you know, that understand what the book says. And they totally get what the book says. And, you know, somebody like me, I totally get what the book says. I've read enough of them. But 
you know, and again, I think that it's, it's a really fun, interesting dynamic where you come from the, the group of people that are very well read in metaphysical literature, and I come from the group of people that aren't. I mean, or at least in that kind of metaphysical literature. And so this is how, for me and for people like that, that makes sense. I mean, it's, an, it's a way to make up your own correspondences for colors. And then, um, you know, say a situation comes up where you're trying to halt gossip. There's an interesting one. And then you mm-hmm. go to maybe your already pre-made list of your correspondences that you made yourself. And you find, okay, where does you know, halting gossip go for me. And you go down and you find maybe that you did, oh God, I don't know, but you found a color that you, that, that for you gossip worked for. And it doesn't necessarily involve tying up a yellow cord and throwing it in a, in fire, keeping the yellow cord tied to stop communication because, you know, yellow is, is communication according to everybody else. Um, you know, maybe for you it's green or maybe for you it's purple or maybe for you it's indigo or whatever, you know, maybe for you it works in another color. And I'm just saying that it's okay to explore those options and it's okay to come up with your own correspondences and not necessarily have to do everything by the book. Can I talk about herbs? Go ahead. Okay, so um, as far as herbs go on correspondences, um, I don't think this was nearly as big of a conversation, but I didn't think colors was that big of a deal either. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, I could keep going on colors, but we're just going to move on. um, As far as herbs go, um, and again, this is just for me being simple, I tend to only use herbs that I either have heard of, um, I grow myself, or that I really like. yeah, or or maybe what, you know, if I'm doing them for somebody, I either use what they know, they grow, or they love, you know. Uh, you know, when I'm looking, and maybe this goes back to the thing that I have about stones using, um, you know, if I have, I, I grow, you know, I have a little gar- herb garden, and I use, you know, I use the herbs from that pretty much in my magic, uh, you know, in my own magical practice. And I, I tend to only use what I know and what I have a personal relationship with rather than going out and, okay, this particular spell calls for this particular herb and, you know, I'm going to go down to the metaphysical store and I need Meadowsweet. Well, I don't grow Meadowsweet. I don't really have much of a relationship with Meadowsweet other than this book told me that I needed this Meadowsweet. And so just as far as herbs go, correspondence-wise, I tend to... Uh, sort of, you know, Project Runway speak, make it work. You know, I, I tend to make, you know, what I have work. So Thank you, Tim Gunn. Thank you. <laughs> go. Ready, go. 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 <laughs> okay, so basically saying you only use herbs that you know, have, or grow means that you would use pretty much anything, right? No. I... I, I know that I know as in the sense of I know it well I know it intimately you know I, I uh, I'm very okay, familiar then, with that particular herb then how are you ever going to expand what you use well I wouldn't use I mean okay say I just went and got uh, a thyme plant and I've never used thyme before 
Um, but I'd really like to start building a relationship with time. So I'm going to go get a time plant. I'm going to start growing it. I'm going to water it. And I'm going to see how it works and see how I work with it. And then once I know that particular time, once uh, once I really you know understand time in in all of its ways, you know magically and how it grows and what it took for me to build that relationship, to water the time, to grow the time, to all of that, then I would maybe use it in magic. But I would get to know the plant first and then use it. You must have spare time coming out your ass. No. Because I do not have time. Sorry. This may, this is a bad example, by the way, because <laughs> people are going to be confused. Okay, let's let's change the example to peppermint. Okay, please, okay. just for the sake of just for the sake of brevity, let's change it to peppermint. Okay. Okay, so, it's not peppermint. Okay, so you would not use peppermint in magic unless you had grown the plant yourself, or at least had had a history of growing the plant yourself. Probably and therefore, yes. And therefore knew it intimately. Yes. So to speak. Yes. Okay, do you have a patchouli plant? No. Well, I did. I did at one point. I killed it, but I did. Well, then do you, would you say you have a very good relationship with patchouli? No, and I hardly ever, I, I don't ever use it. Who was it that was, ta- that was taunting me with patchouli oil? No, I have it. <laughs> I, I had it. It came in a, a little gift bag thing from a metaphysical event that I went to. <laughs> I'm just saying, unless you have... A huge amount of time, resources, and space, and the inclination and, you know, the desire to grow plants, if everybody worked that way, nobody would use herbs for anything. Well, and and about the patchouli oil that I was using, not necessarily the patchouli plant, I I think it goes back to, you know, stones and everything else. I think that, you know, if you... If you want to use patchouli, you go out and get the patchouli oil and you try it for a little bit of this and you try it for a little bit of that. You find out what works. You get to know patchouli oil. You get to be comfortable no, when no, you use No, wait, 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 wait. Because patchouli oil is an essential oil, right? It's an essential oil that came from a plant. So if you are using part of the plant, then obviously you must need to have some kind of rapport with the plant, right? I but I don't use how it. Is, but yes, how is, sure. How I'm is confused. using essential oil different than using a dried herb? <laughs> See, now, okay, I like the... the stunned silence. That was beautiful. Please, please. I think you just enjoy picking me apart. I think it's fun for you. <laughs> it is very fun for me, and you make it easy, sweetheart. Ouch. <laughs> I can't present ideas anymore. I just need to shut up and go back to my own show. Nobody, nobody. I just want you to be able to defend them. Nobody do the same to me at some point. Nobody yells at me on my own show without editing. Um, (laughs) Oh, this might get this show might get edited this time. No, I'm kidding. Um, No, okay. Again, I, I admit there, that there are some contradictions. I'm just saying in my own use of magic, and maybe it's just because in my own personal use of magic and stones and things like that, I have a very, uh, a, a much more simplistic kitchen witchery, hedge witchery version of magic than this higher ceremonial, you know, use something because the book said it had this particular property. You know, I typically use things that I grow. I typically use stones that I know. I mean, just to get into tools, 
um, you know, how, uh, you know, I don't necessarily use a sword on a daily basis to defend my property, so I probably don't use a sword in magic. I mean, you know, okay, that's... I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying, and I don't want anybody to get the impression that I'm saying that you have to do everything just because the book said so. I mean, anybody who's listened to my show should know that that's not the way I think at all. But what I'm saying is, I think the way that you are approaching things is wrong. No, it, I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I think that it is incredibly limiting. Okay. I think it is, because if you ever want to do a spell that uses sandalwood by your own system of correspondences, you wouldn't be able to do that because you can't grow it. You can't have that rapport with the plant. The only way that you are going to be able to get sandalwood is oil, chips, or powder at your local metaphysical store. That's it. And if you ever want to build a rapport with that thing, you're going to have to deal with the already processed product, right? And again, so I guess my point is, why couldn't you do that with any herb? Why is meadow sweet not acceptable, but sandalwood would be? I mean, I, I don't get that. Again, you know, use what you know, grow or love. If you, um, if you get meadow, meadow sweet, for an example, and you use it, you know, you experiment with it, you understand it. I mean, I'm not, okay, I think what, I think Maybe what I'm not making clear in my head is, you know, just because, okay, maybe I'm looking up a spell to repair a relationship, and it says that Meadowsweet would be a really good herb to use there. I'm not just going to go out and buy Meadowsweet and dump that in my cauldron and use it, because I don't understand, I I might, if I have never used Meadowsweet before, I don't necessarily understand all of the mystical metaphysical properties of Meadowsweet in the sense that the person that wrote this spell understands them. And if I don't know the properties of that herb, I'm not necessarily saying that I have to have grown it. I said no grow or love. Right, if, which opens it up to pretty much anything. It can open up, open it up to anything, but I'm saying what, what I'm saying is that don't just go off and use some herb just because the book said so and just dump it into your cauldron and you get to know it. Get to understand its properties before you use it. I'm so silly. <laughs> what? I, me- I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I, I just, to me, it's, it, you're completely contradicting yourself. How? I mean, how do you get to know it if you don't try it? That's what I'm saying. Try it, but don't. No, don't. you're saying only use what you know, grow or love. Okay? Right. Well, how do you get to know it? You try it, but you only use what you know, grow or love. Therefore, you don't use something that you don't know, grow or love. Therefore, if you put something new in, you don't know, grow, know, grow or love it. Therefore, you can't use it. So, how do you use something new? How you're, do you get to know it? I think, I guess that I underestimated and, and just assumed that people might understand that you have to start somewhere and you have to start building relationships with things. That's what I was saying is that you have to build relationships with something before you just go off and use it, you know, for the spell in the book or for the spell that you're wanting to use it for or whatever. I'm not saying, okay, only use, you know, okay, your mother used to grow peppermint and rosemary and basil in her garden. So you can only use those because you grew up only understanding those. That's not what I'm saying. And I think that might be this miscommunication that we're having. What I'm saying is that don't just go using something until you've experimented with it, know it, 
you know, build a relationship with it. That was my example about time. Maybe I've never used time before in a spell, so maybe I'm going to go get it and grow it. If I can't grow it, if it doesn't grow in my area, maybe I'll go get its incense or its oil or its whatever I'm going to be able to get, and then I'm going to use that, build a relationship with it, that kind of thing, the same way that you would uh, understand the properties of a stone. You're going to play around with it, get to know it, and get to understand what metaphysical, magical properties you could use it for that makes sense to you that work for you and then you'll you know it'll become part of your your no grow or love i mean i you know if or you know maybe what somebody else knows grows or loves you know if if i want to improve somebody's day and i know that their favorite flower is sunflowers you know that might be the thing that i go use you know i might not have ever grown it i might not know it but they do you know something that you have a relationship with attaching a relationship to an herb before you just go dump it in a cauldron and aim it at somebody you don't do a lot of spell casting, do you? I do. They, uh, uh, what? Uh, yes. <laughs> what? Why? Then you then you must have a lot of free time because if I need to do a spell and I need to do it on the fly and there's an ingredient in there that I'm not real familiar with, I'm either going to replace it or I'm going to use it and see what happens. I would replace it. I would replace it with something that I understand. I would not just go dumping something into my cauldron. You know, if, if it calls for, I don't, uh, if it calls for the herb flibber flabber, <laughs> because that herb flibber flabber is supposed to incite passion in my target, and I don't understand what the hell flibber flabber is, I might go out to my garden and pick up and clip off some rosemary, because in my understanding, rosemary incites passion just as good as anything else. I guess I just don't understand where all this free time is coming from that we've got to get to know all of these herbs before we can use them. That's, I guess that's maybe where I'm not understanding this because, well, because to me, I think... the way you get to know something is you try it out and you see what happens. And I'm not saying you should be irresponsible with it. I'm saying, you know, you should do your research. You should, you know, look at, you know, ha have I ever used this before for anything? Has it ever been an ingredient in something I've done before? You know, what do these sources say about it? Do I know anybody who's used it? Yes, that kind of thing is fine. But I don't have time to spend okay, hours getting to know the energy of every single flip and herb that I'm going to use if I'm trying to make a sachet for something. Okay, but two things. One... Um, if I'm doing something on the fly and I need it to work, because basically if I'm doing something on the fly, I obviously need it and I need it quickly. I need, I need to be able to trust that it's going to work. I'm not going to leave that up to ingredients that I don't know. I mean, if I need it to do something, I will use what I have and make work. And second of all, to your point of all of this time, I think that, that spellcrafting, I think that working on your magic is something that we should all take the time to do. I think it should be a priority. I think that if you're not going to invest the time into understanding the various herbs and understanding stones, then you shouldn't be doing it. I mean, you know, it, it's not necessarily that I have all of the time in the world. It's that I have taken the time to, to study and to build relationships uh, with certain things and, and uh, you know, gotten to know various, um, you know, energies and, and herbs and stones and whatnot. And it's not that I'm just saying, you know, oh, to hell with everything else. I'm just saying that if I'm on the fly and I need it to work and I need it to do a desired result, I'm going to go with what I trust and not necessarily go off and, you know, if I need to make sure that this job spell comes through... I'm not going to go off and use the herb flibber flabber because I've never heard of it before. I'm going to go out to my garden and maybe pull off some uh, garden sage and some basil and use that into, into my job success 
uh, spell and not necessarily use something that I don't know. However, if I do have, uh, you know, if I do have something that's not of as much importance, if I have something that can fail, that isn't necessarily something that has to work immediately and I have to have that exact result, that's when I might use something that I don't necessarily know. You know, if I'm just... Oh, you know, I'm just in a, a time of I would like more prosperity because the hol- holiday, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a very self-serving thing. Maybe the holidays are coming up and I would like the money or the energy or the time or the whatever to, you know, be able to buy presents for people or to, um, you know, to not get so exhausted at work or to whatever. Just a generic thing that I don't necessarily have to actually have done immediately I might go off and use the herb flipper flapper because it's it's something that I can try and experiment with and figure it out or whatever. Um, and then you can get to know it and get to know how it works for you. I'm just saying that on the fly, if you need it to work, if I need a spell done, I'm going to use what I know and not go off and use something else. And that's where the differences between us become very, very obvious. Because yes. what I would do, what I would do is I would think, okay, well, this is a spell that will get the result that I am looking for, and it has an herb in it that I've never heard of. And I would go to my library, and I would double-check, like, six different sources and say what they see, what they say about that herb and go, okay, well, they all seem to agree that this herb is a great herb to use for X. And X is the outcome of the spell that I'm working on, so even though I'm not familiar with it, I'm going to give it a try. See, but see, you, you, you say that, you know, oh, well, you must have all this time. Well, you must have all this time to be able to go and check six different sorts. Well, okay, wait, you own every single book that's ever... <laughs> How long does that take me? I could... <laughs> give me but, an okay, herb. But the rest I of us don't... three different books resources on it in, within five minutes. But, but the rest of us don't necessarily own every single metaphysical book that's been published. And I'm saying... And for... I'm not saying what I do is going to work for everybody. And I don't think you're saying what you do no. is going to work for everybody either. I'm just saying there are definitely different ways of approaching it and I don't see what the harm in it is in experimenting with something that you're not familiar with as a way of getting to know that ingredient if you do your research that's the difference is I'm all, I'm all about research you're all about touchy feely I'm going to grow it and let it you know and and create a bond with it and that's fine see but here's the thing now <sighs> I would still say that's research. I still didn't say that's the scientific method. That is the scientific method. Okay. Does rosemary work for peace? Maybe not. Does rosemary work for uh, uh, passion? It seems to work for passion. Does rosemary work for prosperity? Maybe not in all instances. You know, and I would say that, but what I am saying is that in instances, to use your example, okay, if I just need to do something on the fly and this book calls for this, you know, well, what kind of spell am I doing? I'm doing a spell to get laid on the weekends. And it's calling for cardamom. I don't have cardamom. Never used cardamom. Don't know anything about cardamom. I didn't know card had a mom. <laughs> I... I that was uncalled for. You loved it. No. I love no, puns. really not so much. <laughs> but, That's the kind of thing that if I was actually in the same room as you, I would hit you for. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make it very clear to, before we continue. I do love you very, very much. And I respect you <laughs> profoundly and deeply. This is sort of why we did the show is because a lot of people just thought, oh, they agree on everything. They just, you know, yada, yada. We don't. (laughs) 
And these are the I'm kinds so of... I'm glad to hear that you love me. That's so nice of you. Thank you. No, and these are the kinds of discussions that you and I have that we were always like, oh, you know... And this is the exact reason why we decided to do the show, because we don't agree on everything. <laughs> I love it that that completely went over your head. Okay, please, continue. I'm sticking my don't, tongue out at you. Mm. Don't stick your tongue out at me. Hika, hush. Um, anyways, the last little thing I had on here was tools, and how often do you use a sword? And that just sort of goes back to... You know, if I need to, if the spell says, oh, get out your sword and cast a circle and seven foot diameter. But again, I don't know. I'm very anti-ceremonial. I'm very anti-bells and whistles. If I don't know it and I don't ever, you know, use it, I'm probably not going to yes, whip it out for my are, spells. You are the person on the cover of the third edition or whatever it was of Wicca, a guide for a solitary practitioner in the robe with the bare feet walking towards the stone altar in the backyard. That is so totally you. We get it. That's not me at all. <laughs> hey, you're talking about never use a stone. That's not exactly as it came out of the earth and get to know your herbs and only, you know, grow everything you can possibly can. And, you know, come up with your own reasoning for every color under the sun, and you're talking... Yes, that's who you are. That is exactly who you are. I don't know. I think that's maybe who I'd like to be. I don't think that I am that person. Because, again, you know, like I said, I do buy stones that, you know, that have specific meanings because they had a specific meaning. I, I do have, you know, I have used herbs. I have collections of dry herbs. I've just found that as I progress in my practice, what works for Firelight in his personal practice is to use things that he's he's grown or he's more familiar with or that he can go clip off. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it is because I want to be the person that has the garden that goes and clips things off and puts it in there. Maybe that's, you know, that's a big thing in the witchy community is to have the little herb garden and have the stones that you know and have the things that you know how to work with. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it was an ideal and I wanted to live up to it and then I became the stereotype. I don't know. Maybe that's it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying I am very much the opposite. I mean, I planted a little potted herb garden, and every single flippin' thing that I planted, I have managed to kill. See, and, and I've killed... You know, I've killed... And I am not going to have any success using the dead little stumps of my rosemary bush. I would rather go out to my metaphysical store and buy myself a, some rosemary and use that. Um, I personally get a great deal of enjoyment out of picking up a new rock that I've never seen before or a new form of a rock that I've never seen before. I mean, as we've been sitting here, I've been playing with this little yellow stone. You know what this is? It's yellow fluorite. Okay, I'd never seen it before. It kind of looks like crystallized pea, but it's in fact <laughs> fluorite that happens to be yellow, okay? And, I mean, I enjoy trying new things out and seeing how they work, and I don't have any hesitation to just sort of throw caution to the wind and go, okay, you know, according to the resources that I have and, you know, according to the information that is at my disposal, this is going to work. And I can put my faith in that. And you know what? Sometimes it works and sometimes it blows up in my face. And you know what? I, that's how I learn what works and what doesn't. Well, see, I think that what I'm saying is that I do the same thing. I mean, I, I, I experiment and I try new things and I do all of that as well. I'm just saying that, you know, if I need something to work, I mean, if, if it's something important, if it's something that, you know, I absolutely need to know, you know, I need to trust that the magic is going to work in that instance, 
I'm probably, I'm the person that's not going to turn to something that I've not used before. If it's got a course, you know, if it, if it's for something and I have something that will go with that, then, I, you know, I will make that work. Um, you know, I, I, that's just me. That's just me. It's just me. Don't hate I, me. I don't hate you. I love you. I'm your I, biggest fan. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> what? Okay. Let's play what pod can am I? Okay, so I was oh listening. God. I was listening to Witches Brew, haha, and Velma, 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 Velma. Did you quit picking on my hooligans? Quit picking on them. Velma, Velma, Velma is amazing. Oh my god! I literally, you have no idea, and I'm still. I may do this. So hooligans, be warned. Um, I, I was literally. I have a promo halfway done for Pagan Hooligans. In which I just pick out all of the the uh, times that Jasmine says, "Oh my God, I love Velma." She like literally one podcast. She said that about eight times, and I just picked them all out and I put no, them in a row. Didn't. She did. No, she did. She not. did. She said, "Oh my God, I love Velma." She did. I swear it was all together. She did. And then she eight times. And then Come she on. said, then she repeated to say your name about eight more times and talk about and, and then gush over you. I just love it. You have such good fans. I love. on my hooligans they're they're good folks no i, I love the hooligans. i can't help it that they like my show oh what's the rest of that sentence what's the rest of that sentence they like your show too i can't say and not yours oh no i just know I, I i don't mean to pick on it. it's it's a running joke that i have with, with isaac how many times jasmine talks about your show in one show that's okay. Okay, totally an aside, and this is not going to be of any interest to anybody who's listening to the show, so I don't know why I'm bringing it up, except that this is, like, the only opportunity that you and I have to actually talk. Okay. But on the last episode of Pagan Hooligans, they were talking about how, you know, Jasmine thought that, like, she and I could be best friends. Uh-huh. And I'm like, then Skype me, bitch. Come on! <laughs> I'm on here! I'm here! You want to be my best friend? Let's be BFFs. I'm all about it. But... Come on. I've the only time I have ever talked to Jasmine was the one time that I was at your house and we talked to both of them. Hey Jasmine. Hey Jasmine, guess what? Guess who's really her BFF? Guess who has a show with her? Ooh. Sweetheart, that does not make you my BFF. Just <laughs> no, that's like being like um uh being Miss America and constantly watching your back for the runner up coming to kill you. I have this like feeling now that you and I have a show together that Jasmine's going to come up and kill me, so, you know, or or make me disappear so that she can have the show with you now. <laughs> and Jasmine, if you'd like any advice on how to do that, <laughs> <just> Skype me. <laughs> oh, so I think we've beaten this discussion to death. To death. I, I think you've probably managed to bore everybody who is silly enough to actually download it. Oh. I'm still not. I'm still not convinced. I understand why anybody listens to this. Uh, well, I do. It's it's. I think it's interesting coming from two very different perspectives. I come from a perspective of somebody that tried the the metaphysical books and didn't like them, and you come from the perspective of having read all of the metaphysical books, and you're very very well versed in the the you know the topics, the um, colloquial nature of what is being discussed, the generic idea of you know, these very various metaphysical topics. And it's a learning experience for me because I don't necessarily know all of them. I, you know, 
uh, I get more of my information from other studies, from studying other kinds of things. And so, you know, it's really interesting for me to have these conversations with you. <laughs> um, but anyways, I, I love you. I, we're still friends in real life, folks. I swear. We might yell and cuss at each other on the show, but we still love each other. Well, I don't know. I love you. I don't know if you might hate me now. You might... I don't hate you. Just think I'm wrong. <laughs> I think a lot of people are wrong. That doesn't mean I hate them. <laughs> um, speaking of things that people seem to be hating on, let's talk about the most underrated show in our opinion. Totally. Totally. Every, every single person who hears me say this needs to go immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not pick up the next new age Llewellyn publication. Go straight to iTunes and download Iron Pawaka. Iron Pawaka Radio. I-R-O-N space P-O-W-A-Q-A Radio. Iron Pawaka Radio. You totally just read that off your screen, didn't you? No, I didn't. I swear. I, I can show you what's on my screen. It's just GarageBand no, scrolling okay. across. It just really looked like you were reading it. It's okay. It's hard to spell. It's not surprising. No, Jillian at Iron Pawaka Radio. She is awesome. I, I, I love her I show. Love and I, I'm constantly surprised because it's one of those things that I'm like, her show is so much better than mine is. I have no idea why my show does so well in the rankings and her show, it's not that it's not doing well. It's just it's not gotten as much recognition as I think it should have. Her show is awesome. Her show is it, it awesome. Is so really, if you are not really awesome. listening to and Iron Pawaka Radio, please, 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 like Velma said, don't pass go. Do not collect $200. Go get freaking Iron Pawaka Radio. Catch up. And please forgive her for not necessarily knowing all of the ins and outs of how to work all of the audio software. Because all of us, except for Velma, because Velma has the radio background, and the pagan hooligans that also have pagan, uh, radio background, you know, the rest of us had to figure out how that software worked. <laughs> 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 you don't have to make excuses for her. Her show has always been great. It's it's always it's, been great. It's, it's just, you know, great. just forgive her. Because I know that there are a lot of people out there that are like, oh, well, if I can't, you know, if the first couple of episodes, you know, don't sound perfect and the audio isn't perfect, then I just don't want to listen to the show. And they completely gloss over the content. The content of Iron Pawaka is... It's it's above par. It's fantastic. It's, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Um, a new show. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I think. I think. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You and I might actually get to meet her. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I thought I we weren't going to talk and about we'll that talk, until... We'll talk more about that later. Yeah, that's a later thing. Big later thing. Um, yes. And a new show, Borealis Meditation, that I'm loving... Um, it, it's uh, all about geology uh, from a pagan perspective. Um, be aware, she has three episodes out. Um, I think you can find it at borealismeditation.podbean.com. It is neither about the aurora borealis nor about meditation. But, no. But um, it is about geology, and it's about... Uh, you know, how to study stones and how to study rocks and the difference between a mineral and a rock and all of that. It's basically geology. She plans on getting into, you know, the magical properties about stones, how to study stones, how to do all of that kind of thing. It's a very specialized podcast on just learning about stones. Beware, her first first three episodes are out now. And, um, you know, she can get very technical. So you might want to listen to it twice. 
Um, but, you know, once you have definitions of things out of the way, I think that you're really going to enjoy, you know, the content, the discussion of stones. I think it's something that's missing from the pagan podcasting universe. Um, you know, lots of, you know, your show does, has a great stone segment. I just think it'll be interesting to hear about stones from somebody that has a master's degree in geology. You know, I just think that that's a, a really phenomenal way to learn about stones you know, in a pagan perspective from somebody that actually has a degree in the matter. Absolutely. No, I, I have really enjoyed the shows. I have to admit they've kind of been over my head. I've, <laughs> I, I have gotten lost several times because they are a bit technical and I know next to nothing about geology. I mean, I know a lot about rocks from a metaphysical standpoint, but geology, I don't know anything. I know nothing. I'm starting from scratch. And I, I, she's lost me. Kathleen, you've lost me a couple times. Oh, yes, Kathleen, but, the hostess of Borealis Meditation. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you should definitely check that one out, though. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a very good contribution to the pagan podcasting world. I'm excited about that. I do as well. I, 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 I'm really excited. I, I love the show so far. I think it'll be so much fun. Um, speaking of other things that I love, I love feedback. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Me lovey, lovey feedback. Um, let's see. I am on the Podbean site, incitingabruhaha.podbean.com. Um, hey folks, just FYI, there's not going to be, as far as I'm aware, unless Velma has other, uh, ideations that I don't know about, there's not going to be like an incitingabruhaha.com with, you know, a blog and with extra features and all of that. We each already have our own websites. And I don't think either of us really wants to build a brand new website. Um, yeah, I can't keep up with my own website. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Inciting a Brouhaha's homepage on the web is incitingabruhaha.podbean.com. But I'm sure she'll be putting out um, updates on her website about uh, I-A-B-H-H. And, um, I, you know, I post uh, news about the inciting haha brew that goes on on incitingariot.com and so each of us sort of gives that information out there so if you absolutely need to go to a homepage for uh, this particular show go to incitingabruhaha.podbean.com how do you not say that without stuttering over the haha it's <laughs> you it's very easy you just say it you're a phenomenally eloquent person um, I, I have I have very good diction uh, yes. Elocution. <laughs> yes. I have very good elocution and um, diction. Yes. <laughs> diction. Uh, <laughs> um, Nicole said, love the new show and so excited it's finally here. Love you right back, Nicole. Christy said, love it with four, not three, four exclamation marks and said everything in capitalized letters, which means that she really, really likes it. Or maybe it's a double negative and she's trying to tell us that she hates it and that's all sarcasm. I don't know. Pagan flavored atheist said the ending is LOL. I guess she thought that we were kidding when we, when we were yelling at each other. I don't, why, why would people think that we were kidding? (laughs) Um, Because we were, and neither one of us could act our way out of a paper bag. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's true. Um, (laughs) Keep keep tackling tough subjects. I disagree with y'all, but I agree with this podcast needing to happen. I would love it if you could do a video cast or we could see your respective shenanigans. Okay. Pagan-flavored atheist, here's the message from me to you. Firelight is the one doing the editing and the recording for this podcast. 
And until Firelight um, is able to record the uh, the video in a manner in which it's super easy and takes absolutely no brain cells for Firelight to do, that's not going to happen. So that's not happening in this show. But I would just like to say, we did discuss that and we do agree that that would be hilarious to watch. So it might happen in the future. It's just Velma and I are going to have to play around with it and and figure out how to do that in a way that's super easy and takes no brain cells and no time. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we got email. Did you know we got email? Did we have email? Oh, from we the guy. Email. Oh, we have two emails. Yeah, I don't remember those. I do. I get them on my phone. See, phone. Um, well, yeah. I, I have a shiny little gadget that goes with me, too, and it checks email, but I didn't realize we had email. Okay, we had two emails. One came in from William Dragonwolf. Yes. <laughs> Dragonwolf. Okay. What? Uh, oh, don't start making fun of people for their names, Firelight. I can't. Can't. We've, no, you can't. You uh, have absolutely no room to do that. I have no room. <laughs> it's one of my hypocritical stances. So, yes. anyways, um, says William, he says... Great show. I agree with both of your definitions of paganism. However, I think balance should be added to the mix. Now, if it could be stirred together and simmered down to a condensed basic definition. I wholly agree with you about the privileges in prison. They need to be earned as long as the earning or denial of the privileges has nothing to do with race, religion, or sexual orientation. If a Christian man was arrested for murder, I wonder what the media response would be if the defense was, God told me to sacrifice my son to prove my love. Do you think it would be dismissed as a crazy man talking or taken seriously? I love both. Okay. Go ahead. I love both shows, and now I can say all three shows. Brightest blessings, William, Bill, Dragon Wolf. Please go. We will get into this discussion at ad nauseum, I'm sure, in an upcoming episode. Oh yes. As far as what if it was, you know, a Christian man talking about sacrificing his son because God told him to. We're going to get into that. Um, so we're not going to do it right now, but we will, we're going to tackle that topic. Um, let's see. The other email that was sent to the email address was from Bria Plum. Can I say Bria? Oh, yes. Bria Plum Druid. That's, there we go. Bria Plum the Druid sent us a, an email, um, stating in regard to the moron in Texas who went to death row and became a Satanist. Unfortunately, you're wrong. Religion does matter for the simple reason that if the inmate... Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Because Bria, uh, Bria, Bria, however you pronounce your name, I would just like to say something from me to you. Would you pretty, 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 pretty please go back and listen to the first show? And this, and, and I am I'm calming down because when I first read this email, I got a little tit. But would you pretty please... Go back and listen to the first show because we actually did say that it should not matter what your religion is. However, however, and I realize that like you say, in Texas, in any state, but especially Texas, um, unfortunately conversion to Christianity in prison, that's a Texas, a Texas prison prisoner, I'm assuming is what you're saying, a lot of points in their favor with prison officials, with judges, with law enforcement, and with juries. Okay. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But we did say religion should not matter, which is what you said we should have said, which is what we did say. So there you go. So listen before you send that email, because that's what we said. And remember, I did work in the Texas correction system. I really did. I really understand. I have a pretty good understanding of what it is specifically like in Texas for people that are 
you know, of different religions. And I distinctly remember being an officer in the correction system in Texas giving inmates the Quran because that was their religion and it wasn't a thing. And I could actually get in a whole hell of a lot of trouble if I held their religious liturgy from them. So just listen to the show. Thank you for writing in. Thanks for being a listener. You rock. Yay. Velma? I said it doesn't matter, but what I meant by that is it doesn't matter to me. And what I also meant was it should not matter. You did because, say it should not because matter. Because fundamentally, it does not matter. I mean, I, when you're actually talking about it, does it make any difference? The answer to the question is either yes, it does, or no, it doesn't. It's not, well, it shouldn't. So, yes, I, yes, what he said. So, yes. I mean, <laughs> but we, we did actually say the words should not matter. Uh, yeah, I, I went back and listened to the show earlier today, okay, and it, okay. you don't need to beat up on the woman. No, okay. I'm not. You I'm sa- thank point. you for listening. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing that we have listeners. I love it. Thank you. Here's your point. You need to you need to be nice. I am nice. I'm riotous though. Be riotous on your show. Oh, what am I supposed to be on this show? <laughs> I don't know, but we're not inciting a riot on this show. But we are inciting something. Well, yeah. A brouhaha. I'm not sure we've really figured out what it is yet, though. <laughs> oh, let's see. Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about? I don't think so. Not for today. We've, we've got quite a list, but I think that was about it for today. Fabulous. We actually made it through. Fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> Sorry. That's a, yeah. Mm. Um, That's... Listeners, witches, witches, <laughs> witches, witches. Um, if you have a topic that you want to add to our ever-growing list of topics, please, 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 please send it to incitingabruhaha at gmail.com. I almost forgot our own email address. That's pretty sad. Yeah, incitingabruhaha at gmail.com. And hopefully I'll actually see it. Yeah. That would be good. That would be nice. I should check the email every once in a while, shouldn't I? Well, I just have it sent to my phone. I just well, it hit. sends to mine, too, but if you look at it before I do, then it doesn't tell me I've got new mail, because somebody already looked at it, so it's not new anymore. Well, see, it always pops up on mine that it's already been read. Somebody's reading our email. Uh-oh. Well, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> Kika? Kika, did you read the emails? You did. Oh, that's probably my you. cat. Mwah. He does everything else. What does? My cat. Oh, your cat. The one. Are you s- even listening to me? The one who sets himself on fire. Yes, the one who sets He has only done it twice. Oh, see, the problem is I don't want this show to end because I know that when it ends, we can't talk anymore. <laughs> Until the next show. <laughs> we can. We just can't talk about anything that's on our list, which unfortunately pretty much takes away most of the interesting things. Yeah. But I guarantee you that the people out there who are listening to this, if they've actually made it this far are going, please, for the love of all that is good and holy in the universe, let them end this show, because I am sick of listening to both of them. 